Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Grandma's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. It is Wednesday night. It is 10 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, episode number 149, talking New York sports. Nice. Hi. Good evening. Welcome to the program. We have a ton to talk about. We're going to talk about New York sports. That's what we do. We're one episode away from 150. That's crazy. It's an estimate. We may have done 150 by now. We don't know. The first 25 episodes of this show, completely by the seat of the pants, by the pants of the seat, by the neck of the, 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 neck of the nape, the nape of the woods. What are you doing here? Hi. Welcome to the program. We have... Um, Joe Caparoso, our old friend now. We can officially call him an old friend. Our old friend Joe Caparoso from TurnOnTheJets.com, and now he's also an editor at TheWhistle.com, a sports website for the next generation, which immediately makes me feel old. Really old. Joe Caparoso's new job makes me feel really old. He just got it, and he said, it's the whistle, it's sports, next generation. I'm old. I'm too old for the website. I go, I click on it, and they say, get out of here, old man. These are these are cool clips we're showing of sports. 
So let's bring in the co-host of the program. I'm Steve Sampietro, by the way. They call me Sam P. Cal. Those that do call me, they don't call me Cal. They call this guy Cal, the guy I'm about to bring in, the co-host of the program. He is, uh, he's integral. He's integral. Dr. Erase Test is unavailable. (laughs) That's for sure. And he has been for some time. Um, There's a lot going on in sports. We're going to talk to Joe about the Jets. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to go around the league. We're going to talk about the Giants, too, the surprising Giants. Uh, Joe is going to come on. We have a lot to talk about. But, again, the co-host. It's not Dr. Erase Stat, you guys. It is. Yeah. Uh, how about you? How's it going? Surf on in here, Bry. Hey, dude. What's up, Bry? What's going up, man? What's up, dude? Wow. Dude. Wow. Wow, that is oh, <laughs> that is intense. When did we get Ingray Malmsteen on the show budget? I we can't afford that. We cannot afford that guitar solo. Yikes. You asked for new theme music last week. I don't think I... I don't know if I asked for it. We, I think I just complained about what <laughs> I was given. We don't have to keep... We don't have to keep that. That's okay. That's magnificent. No, we're... Oh, we're keeping that. But who... This is, of course, our producer, uh, Bishop Pop Culture PJ. PJ, who's playing guitar there? Who's ripping that solo? Shredding. Be me. No. Yes. Who's... Who's on... Who's on the explosive riffery there? That's that, that is me and the great Play Brian Stevens. Play that right. again. Hold on. Wait Should a I leave the room and come back in? Cal, come back in. All right, I'll be right back. Let's do it again. Cal's right, gonna go out. We're gonna do it again. Here he is, Mr. Brian Calniva, Calpino Caliente. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, boys? What's up, fellas? You're twisting the dude. Fuck on. And beat the dude. Yeah, I'm about to switch down right now. Wait, wait, right here. Okay. Give it up for the bishop! Hey, hey, Eddie Van Halen. Did I miss a meeting? (laughs) Yeah, but I play with this hand. Look, I've known you for for 20-odd years. I've never seen you finger tap on a guitar. What, oh, no, that what was, happened was, there? Uh, Joe Satriani? What electric happened? Electric guitar. No, no, that, that was electric guitar and keyboard. At the same time? The super, fast stuff, was, the super <laughs> fast stuff was keyboard. Oh, so you cheated. I, I, I like to play the synthesizer. Wait, please tell me it was a strapped-on guitar keyboard. Like, like, like a, like a guitar. Like yeah. Fire still plays when yeah. they play live. Yeah, like a guitar <laughs> synth. Those things no. are hot. No, I sat Or like, like you were, like you were in the Hooters. No, it, <laughs> it was no <laughs> mouth synth. No. Can we get? I'd like a ruling. Is it officially impossible to look cool playing one of those? Like, for the duration of the 80s, when they were popular in bands, you can't, right? The only keyboardist that ever looked cool was Ray Charles. 
No, I'm not talking about, I'm and, talking about anybody the, else who's behind the keys. Is, you just look dorky. Well, how about the guy from Journey that was playing the keyboard up above his head on the wall in the <laughs> Stepford Ways uh, video? That is an unforgivable transgression. I mean, he had full arm extension on that above That's his right. head. That's right. Uh, that was my favorite Beavis and Butthead clip. They were watching that clip, and Butthead just stops and goes, uh-oh, what's this? This sucks. <laughs> it was the best ever. I'll never forget that video. That video, of course, is famous for having Journey air playing. Like right. all yes. air playing their instruments with ferocious. Like in the studio parking lot, too. With right, with, with ferocious seriousness. Like <laughs> commitment. Like Will Ferrell in, a, in the cat sketch commitment. Well, like they yeah. have these, to, they have these competitions care. for like professional air guitarists, right? But but this is well before that, Cal. No, I know that's I'm, that's what I'm saying. That if this were now, they could go enter a competition. Oh, and and crush. Yeah, and people just walk off after they saw <laughs> I'm that. Betting, I'm oh, betting wow. that that arose out of the band complaining because whenever they used to shoot videos, you could always tell that the instruments weren't plugged in. I bet you it arose from that. They were like, what's the point? We don't plug in our keyboards. It all looks stupid. So someone said, well, glue Jonathan's keyboard to a wall. I'm going to go the other way, Peach. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they shot that in the studio parking lot for $9. And they're like, listen, (laughs) we need to do this video, but it is going to cost the union guys about 175 bucks an hour for them to take all your equipment out of the studio and into the parking lot. And I really want to shoot this in the day because yeah. it's just beautiful out. We're in Ventura. Oh, natural we're in, light. They were very smart. We're, we're off Ventura Boulevard. It's gorgeous. The way the sun hits Steve Perry's hair, we need – I want to shoot outside, but it's really expensive to bring all these instruments out here. Let's just pretend. Let's do a pretend thing. Do we remember the full name of that song? Oh, dear. Cal? Japanese. But then there's something in parentheses. There's a paren there. Separate ways, parentheses. Love will find you. Worlds apart. Worlds apart. Of course. I was just about to make a comment on how serious that song is. Oh, man. How could you not love that song? I would have put Chains That Bind You in parentheses. (laughs) Absolutely. Separate ways, Chains That Bind You. That is a whole different vibe now. Right? Peach, would you say that there were ten songs that I put uh, a parenthetical title on when we were in the band? Ten, (laughs) Ten to twelve? Well, look, you want the title to be complete. There was, but there was. I, I freely admit to an obsession. Once I saw Radiohead do it on like every other song, I had to every. I would bring you lyrics to a new song, and PJ would be like, "Let me guess." <laughs> if there was no parenthetical, you'd be like, right. "Let me guess. This isn't done yet, right?" right. <laughs> the song's titled "Socks and Shoes" (parentheses) and then something really on my feet. Right. Something yeah, really it, deep is always in the parentheses. Oh, and it had to it had to have nothing to do with the song, but the feeling you had when you wrote it. And the more right. obscure and so referential shoes, parentheses, Descartes was wrong, close parentheses. 
That's right. Exactly right. That's a good that's a good tune that we have. Do not put that song down. Because he was right. I think I think when you get to the end of that song you understand. He was right. And socks and shoes. Goes a little something like this. <laughs> enough of that you love that all right well welcome to the program new york sport um we we do have a a, a tremendous show joe caparoso is going to be calling into us in a few minutes um to talk about the jets and talk about the giants we're going to go around week six in the nfl but before we get there cal how are you was your week good everything cool everything's fine are you a point are you ecstatic about the islanders being back yeah oh more than you well you would know how ecstatic I am because you're probably just as happy. I'm pretty excited. It's just so fun to watch them. Just so fun. Fun am to I, watch a hockey game now. Am I going to DVR 82 games? Yes. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, well, unless you happen to watch one live or you're there. That could happen. And if you're there, you'll probably still DVR it. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> I. Uh, that's pretty said i've done it as well hey, um, go back and you watch it how have you felt about uh the islanders in these first three games i feel good i feel like last year's little playoff jaunt they're not resting on that i think that some teams would have been all right we're happy we did that and now we can kind of we're we're going to be good this year we'll just go into the season and see what happens and i think they used that as motivation that they weren't happy Losing in the first round, they really I, they really wanted that series, and now they've come back with a renewed focus. There doesn't seem to be any complacency. I was concerned about all. some complacency among these kids. I mean, they're largely kids. They're still a very young team. Yeah, they but you seem hungry still, Cal. Yeah, you know what? Really hungry. I think the thing is that they've been together. They've grown up together, yeah. and they're not just kids on a team. This, these are kids that have now been together four or five years, and they're growing into, like, adults together and into a good hockey team together. They're starting to get some accolades, too, like, you know, Tavares being a finalist for the Hart Trophy, and so they're growing up together. They're, they've been together, a number of these players, as a core for five or six years since they were 18, 19 years old. Um, you know, they're seeing guys like uh, Hamannick get a contract extension, McDonald get a contract. You know, guys get their money. So th- th- their friends are starting to make their money now, and they're getting their contracts from the Islanders. You know what and else? It, it seems to me, Brian, that it's allowed them to focus on coming out of the gate fast and strong. I mean, in all three games at various times, and they're 2-0-1, in all three games, they have looked like the better team for most of it. Oh, absolutely. And I I, I think the other thing is that they knew they had to get out to a fast start because they didn't want people to think, oh, that run last year was a fluke. Yeah. That was a fluky little run at the end of the season, and now if they come out and they lose two out of the first three, People are going to start to talk. Ah, well, right. We're not we're not taking them serious yet. I I totally agree. And and I have to say this: we were ready to uh, jettison uh, the coach and ready to get rid of Jack Capuano, and he he has done a complete turnaround for me, Brian. I mean, his his hair his hair is goatee, still awful. Yeah. I mean, 
coach. He's just he looks like if you were to make a movie about hockey in the eighties, he looks like the coach. Right? Like, do you have to be directly out of central casting? Like, down to the, like the, the name, Jack Capuano. Jack. <laughs> He's the coach of the Killers. He is. Or whatever. He absolutely is. And yeah. he needs just a slightly thicker Boston dialect. Right. To be really play the part. Right. Or if he was Canadian. If he spoke with a Canadian dialect. No. That would yeah. work, too. I I I can see that, but he, he's perfect as a Bostonian ridiculous oh, he, coach. Oh yeah, no, he could be a Boston coach, sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean he is, and not evil, not like an evil coach. He's not evil. He's not an evil coach. No, he's just like not like the coach oh, of the goodness. other team in the Ducks. Who is? Yeah. Oh boy, it's bad. But uh, coaching wise, I'm very impressed. He's a good coach, and, and these, these kids clearly like him. Uh, they go to bat for him. I, I, and and did you uh, happen to catch the Rangers score last night? Or I don't know. It was something like five hundred and twenty-two to one. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot to a little. It was a lot to a little. That team's on a weird run because they opened the season with nine straight road games. Yeah, it's hard, and it's hard to really get a feel for them. This, you're this part absolutely of this right. You it's can't... not fair to them. They could they could finish this trip at like two six and one or something, and they could still be a great team. Well, then you they're, have gonna, no then idea. they're still going to have forty home games, right? To play, you know? yeah. One last thing on the Islanders, and I and I thought this last night. I'm watching the game, and and it was it was a pretty decisive game. It was a blowout. A blowout. Okay. By the second period, Cal, it was five to one. It was a blowout. Right. So they chased, I, they chased the goalie. You don't get many of those. Right, and and the thing that I noticed is that at five to one, they didn't like fold up and play conservative. Yeah, I think they were still hitting. Yeah, they were still passing, and I think, and you could see it after each goal. After each goal, you know they celebrated appropriately. They didn't go over the top, even for Matt Donovan's first goal. They didn't go over the top. They celebrated. They were happy. They were, but they were very businesslike about it. And I get the sense that this team, this is a good team. This is not a fluky, up and coming team anymore. I think this is a good hockey team. And the best part about it is that they know that they're good. Yeah, I you know? would totally agree with that. That's they an ab- excellent they, assessment. They absolutely believe that they're good and they belong here. Yep. And and they should be talked about as as a playoff contender this year. Last year, when they were up in that game five to one in the second period, they were surprised. Right. They they had surprised themselves. They would last know what night. To do. Right. Last night, when they were up in that game five to one going to the third period, they were not surprised. They expected to be there. They'd played well enough to be there, and they knew they were going to win the game. They did, you, did you see the way they were passing the puck last yeah. night? Yeah. That 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 comes from growing up together. For four or five years in this system, I I I absolutely agree. You know, at this point, so I, I'm I'm happy. I'm excited about the start of the season. I really am. I know. We're gonna we're gonna talk uh, a little baseball playoffs later, but from a different angle. I know the MLB playoffs are going on right now, and and we may even involve Joe. We'll see how long Joe can stick around. And so let's do it while we're at it. Let's bring the guy in. He's an old friend, but he's not old. He's not old. We're old. We are ancient. <laughs>
We're very old. Wow. It's a medley. Did he make him a mixtape? He did. <laughs> wow. Very nice, Bishop. Very nice, the Bishop. Are you guys dating? He made him a mixtape. I love it. Let's bring him in. Uh, he is the founder and head writer at TurnOnTheJets.com. He is also now an editor at uh, a newer website called The Whistle. Uh, he's our old buddy, Joe Caparoso. Hey, Joe. How you guys doing? What an intro. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I tell you what, I've been on some podcasts in my day, but that that is the best intro I've ever had. PJ, PJ made you a mixtape. He did. You, you don't even wow. know. He, he had like 14 of them last week. I, I'm flattered. Quick question: Are you guys are you guys live on the scene at Blue Haven tonight? No, no, we're we're, uh, we're in the the home studios tonight. Ah, because uh, I'm actually our one of our coworkers at the Whistle is having a birthday party tomorrow at Blue Haven. Apparently, it's a spot the staff goes. It's a frequent frequent go to location. And I said, hey, I've been there. I recorded a podcast there. That's good people. I'm excited. So I'm gonna be there tomorrow night. You know, you, you know what, Joe, you you've come a long way, baby. Because you you come on, you come on now. You immediately you're cross promoting. You're you're hitting our sponsor and stuff. I mean, just what a job! What a job! You you Dude, you definitely have, you're a seasoned vet now. You're a veteran. Um, Joe, we 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 have a ton to get to. We just want to talk. The first thing I want to bring up, um, and I'll I'll just get us going. Obviously, uh, really want to talk about the Jets right off the bat, but I definitely want to get your take about the Giants and about Week Six in the NFL and stuff like it. The NFL is heating up now; it's getting exciting. I'll stop saying "and stuff," by the way, because I'm not Rex Ryan. So, the first thing that I want to ask you is, Clyde Gates. I know you have all his albums. Um, <laughs> I know you're a big fan of all his work. Um, I bring it up this way. Uh, Spadola decided to pass on coming back to the Jets. He signed with the Dolphins practice squad today. Uh, they signed David Nelson last week. Uh, obviously, everybody knows about the huge win against the Falcons, all that jazz. But the wide receiver position, which I know is near and dear to your heart. Joe, please tell me, why is Clyde Gates still on this team? And... How do you see the wide receiver position, which I think right now is crucial for this team and for Geno Smith's development going forward this year? Do they add somebody? Do they cut somebody? Do they what? What? And why is Clyde Gates still here? The Gates thing, there there isn't a correct answer for it because it it really doesn't make much sense. Uh, it's a guy they brought in last year who had some natural physical tools. He was fast, whatever. Looked completely overwhelmed with his playing time last year. You know, very unpolished with his route running. Couldn't catch the ball consistently. Whatever. It was his first year with the team. He stuck around through the summer. We got all these rave reports. Reports he was having a good training camp. He looked okay in preseason, whatever. But since we've gotten into the regular season, it's been the same Clyde Gates as last year. This is a guy who really can't catch the football, can't run routes, and doesn't play with any type of confidence. You could see... When he's out there, he has no kind of wherewithal or field awareness, and he doesn't attack the football, and he's just lost. And even when he caught that screen pass in the final drive against Atlanta, that should have been a touchdown. 
He, he was blocked yeah. up perfectly. All he had to do was stand on his feet. He could have walked into the end zone. But down. It was like he was he, so he relieved did. he caught the football. He, he was. He just dove down immediately because he didn't want to fumble or make a mistake. And as soon as oh, God. he was caught the ball, I'm sure everybody was like, get down, get down, please. I, I think, at this I point, mean, I mean, I think he probably stuck on the roster for his kick returning, even though he's a terrible kick returner. But <laughs> the fact that Mike Goodson is back now, I think he eventually will take over that role. It's frustrating to lose a guy like Spadola. What's frustrating is that a guy like that looks good all summer, but he's ultimately on a very short leash. He's an undrafted yeah. free agent. He did get a little playing time week one and two and had a drop against New England. And is it fair to cut bait with him because he dropped one pass in the pulling lane? Probably not, but... Uh, you know, I hate to see him go to Miami. I did think he had some long-term potential. But um, the David Nelson signing, I do I do like. Nelson was a very good player for Buffalo a couple of years ago. If he's healthy, he's a very, very competent number three or number four guy. And you just kind of hope that Holmes gets back sooner rather than later. Because you have Holmes there healthy. You have Holmes, Hill, Curley, and Nelson. That You could do worse for your top four this year. And then, obviously, you know, you'll have the money and flexibility next offseason and maybe make a big splash. Right, and the and the reason I bring it up, and Cal wants to piggyback on this too. One of the reasons I brought this up right off the bat to start the show is we found out yesterday that Mark Sanchez had season-ending shoulder surgery, and we, you know, Joe, you know, man, we we've been Sanchez apologists in in the past. We because we have both felt, and Cal feels the same way, that he was never properly developed, and that one of the biggest downfalls of Mark Sanchez's career with the Jets was. The overturn, uh, or the overturn, the turnover, the turnovers, but the turnover with his wide receiver core. They never seemed to establish a, when he had receivers he was comfortable with, uh, going into 2011, they got rid of them all. And let's replace uh, Braylon Edwards with Plexico Burris out of jail. And let's replace Jericho Cotri with Derek Mason. I mean, we know the story. And it really stunted his development. And Mark Sanchez's career is likely over as a Jet. Um barring some unforeseen miracle. Um, But I don't want to see them make the same mistake. So the reason I started here is because we have uh, Geno Smith coming off his best performance as a pro. We have Marty Morningwig, who is a competent, more than competent offensive coordinator. We have David Lee, who's a competent quarterbacks coach. They have an opportunity here to right the wrong with Mark Sanchez. And it starts with the receivers, and I just don't want to see Clyde Gates' face anymore because he because he ruins that. It's a good way to put it. It's a, it's a good way to put it. It's Cal, I think that's Cal. a really good point about you know Sanchez and the receiver turnover. It, it was a problem. It, it, you like to build consistency. I think the coaching has improved you know for this quarterback, but you know long term, you know what receivers are really going to be here. You like to think that. Curley and Hill are going to be here moving forward. I don't know what Holmes' long-term situation with this team is. It's very going to be interesting to see how this offseason goes. My gut reaction is that he probably won't end up being back, but you never know. Um, But, yeah, you'd like to see them have Curley back, have Hill back long-term, then maybe go spend some money in free agency and get a guy or maybe spend an early draft pick on a guy to really grow and develop the Smith. I mean, they're going to have – I think about 11 or 12 draft picks next year, draft picks next year when it's all said and done, they're going to have a lot of cap space too. So I think some of that spending, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the football, the skill position, you know, could really happen next year. When, earlier in the season, well, you know, it's only 
five weeks in, but it seemed like Geno Smith had a little bit of a chemistry with Kellen Winslow, and they didn't really throw to him that much this week. And now you read today, Chris Lepresti from FAN says that Winslow was a little unhappy with that. What do you, what do you make of that situation with, with Winslow? Cumberland had a good game. What, what, do you, what do you see going on at the tight end spot? Uh, I think it's a little troubling because you never want to hear somebody noticeably unhappy after a win. You know, receivers and tight ends, they want to catch passes. They want to be involved. And Winslow, to his credit, you know, did say, I'm just not going to comment. He didn't pull a Mike Wallace like he did, you know, after the Dolphins' week one <laughs> win. But it's kind of dragged on a little bit where now it's kind of noticeable. He might just be unhappy. You know, his knees have been bothering him. He's been missing practice. And pretty clearly what the Jets did in Atlanta is that they were using Winslow as a decoy to free up Cumberland, and they were giving Cumberland a lot of the downfield routes that Winslow had been running uh, with some success the week before, even against Tennessee. He had a couple, he had a 20-yard catch in the same play that Cumberland had the huge play on against Atlanta, and obviously in week one, Winslow had the big game. And, you know, Cumberland's a guy who has pretty good speed. He's a former receiver, and, you know, took advantage of his opportunity on Monday night and made some plays, I think, Winslow's going to have to accept the fact that both of them are going to be parts of the game plan going forward, and Winslow's not going to be a guy who's probably going to play 100% of the snaps and get eight, nine targets a week. There's going to be games where he's going to be more involved. There's going to be other games where he's more of a decoy. Teams are going to take him away. And he's, you know, a veteran who's got a good shot here and walked into a good situation. I don't, I hope not. It doesn't become an ongoing issue in the locker room. Uh, you wouldn't think it would be. I mean, you know, he doesn't. There's no, no explosion or any, you know, kind of problem with that. But, you know, we'll see what it's like going forward. I mean, the Jets actually have, you know, a pretty interesting dynamic now. When you have two tight ends like that who would stretch the seams and make plays down the middle, that was a very encouraging performance from Cumberland who showed flashes in the preseason. It really looks like he made a couple of strides uh, from last year. Yeah, and I think there's a couple things there. So let's let's unpack that a little bit. So, the it's a great question, Cal, because the tight end that it goes back to my point, uh, my initial point about Mark Sanchez again developing a young quarterback, giving him weapons, uh, and for a rookie quarterback, giving him tight ends that he can throw to that he has trust with. When you have two tight ends, and and you know Joe, we've talked about Cumberland before. We've talked about Cumberland for a year. Like he's the guy that we're super down on because he's inconsistent with his hands. He's inconsistent with his route running, but the ability's there. As you said, he's a former wide receiver, and you're like, God, this guy should be good. Like, why can't we have one of the cool tight ends? Everybody's got cool tight ends. I want a, one of the cool tight ends. And this guy should be the out-of-nowhere cool tight end. And he just hasn't been consistent enough. But as you said, I don't think Winslow becomes a problem either. I think – he gets on board and gets with the program and was just feeling pissy because his knees were bothering him. But uh, if you can have – so we're, we're five games in. The, uh, we're not. We don't play. But the Jets are five games in. Uh, the team is three and two, a surprising to some people three and two. Um, I, I, you know, I think, Brian, right, we would both say I don't think we thought they would be three and two, but we thought they would be two and three. Yeah. Um, we – uh, and Joe, you've talked about it on your podcast. By the way, Joe does a podcast, everybody, uh, as well on TurnOnTheJets.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> plug. And well, we um, owned him. We owned him. That's right. He came on, talked about Blue Haven right off the top. The least I could do. Pro Football Central. Uh, Joe does a weekly podcast. He tapes it on Tuesday nights, and it's uh, dropped on Wednesday. Um, 
But if if we had talked about play good defense, don't turn the ball over, you don't suck. I mean, it's that simple. And the Jets have the opportunity to have a very, very good defense. That showed uh, – I love the idea that they held – they held the Falcons to twenty to twenty eight points. Like that was like a in in today's NFL. That's like great job, everybody. You know, good good hustle on the floor. Like you held that team to twenty eight points in their own building, and that was playing good defense. But uh, if you have Holmes, Curley, Hill, Nelson, I'm not counting Gates. I'd rather see Michael Campbell there. Um, and Cumberland, Winslow, and then the three backs, which we got our first look at Mike Goodson this week. Eh, he can run. That guy's fast. He looks like yeah. he's awfully fast. I and if you have Ivory really Powell, yeah, you have Ivory Powell and Goodson in the backfield. That's a lot of stuff for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, it was really I, exciting to see all three backs finally out there together and healthy. And there's a reason the Jets stuck with Goodson through all the legal and the, the four-game yes. suspension. That guy could move. And you saw in the Wildcat play, there was nothing there. and He just beat everyone to the corner and ran for 26 yards. And the Jets don't have or haven't had that at the running back position for a long time. And he's going to be a guy who I promise you if he stays healthy and out of trouble, Jet fans are going to absolutely fall in love with because he – in this offense, he's going to be a big play waiting to happen. Morningway is going to get him in space. He's going to get him to the outside. And, you know, I don't know how many touches he's going to have per game, but he's going to be the kind of guy who, even with limited touches, is going to rip off his share of big plays. And him, Ivory, and Powell, who, you know, has been very solid and is consistent and does all the little things. Yeah, Powell's, Powell's a stud. Powell is a stud. I mean, he, Let's just say you know, to have he's him good. there, I know you can lean on him every week and – He's been, he, he, got, he lost weight from last year. He looks a lot quicker in between the tackles. He um, does. He had a really nice move on the edge after catching a swing pass last week. He looks like he's a legitimate, you know, full-time starting back. I mean, in terms of pure talent, are Ivory and Goodson maybe ahead of him? Yes, but they can't stay in the field. So, you know, to have them and have the three of them rolling through, it's only going to make all of them better. It only makes the Jets' offense harder to stop and more dynamic. And this Jets' offense doesn't need to be – you know, the Broncos and, you know, scoring 50 points a game. They need to protect the football, make a handful of big plays, and if they can put Bingo. up, you know, 24, 27 points a game, they're going to win a lot of games with that defense. Joe, what do you think about Ivory? I, when he came in, he, he was we – talked, we talked about this in the offseason when we had you on, and he was like my guy that I was most excited to see in a semi-regular role um, if given the opportunity. And he came in with this promise of being an explosive back, you know, five yards a carry. And in the first four games, he got hurt. But I didn't really see that out of him. I saw a little bit more out of him, out of that. I saw a little bit more like that out of him <laughs> this Monday. What, what do you think Ivory can, can contribute? I mean, Ivory, I agree with you. He's a guy who's very, very excited they traded for. Just the natural physical talent, how fast and powerful and how violent he ran in New Orleans. I mean, the book on him was that he just couldn't stay healthy. It was the hamstring, it was the foot. There was always some kind of lingering issue. But when he was on the field, he was very productive. And I think we saw a little of that against New England. He kind of got rolling a little bit. And then you just saw that burst for 19 yards against the and we were like, whoa, like, what was that? He was like, flew yeah. through the hole, trying to jump over the entire defense. The talent there, he just got to stay on the field. And you know, I don't know if he's the kind of guy that you could say, 
hey, here's 20 carries a week every week. How long is he really going to last? So maybe he thrives in a limited role here, or maybe he gets healthy and picks up some steam, and by the end of the year, he's really the lead back. It, it's still kind of open. I think it's going to be a week-to-week thing. I think Powell's been great here early in the season, but you never know what could happen. If Ivory stays healthy and starts getting more work and starts making more big plays, same thing with Goodson. Maybe they become more involved in the offense, and it's more of a really two guys splitting all the carries, three guys splitting all the carries, and we don't, we're not going to see any more games where Powell has you know, 20, 25 carries. Or those guys that get hurt again, being consistent, and just, just lean on Powell. But it's good to have depth and it's good to have options. You know, I think Goodson and Ivory are, and Powell are really all guys who are probably going to be here you know, next year as well, and younger guys and guys they've invested in and could kind of build on going forward. I mean, we, we see the running back. You don't need to spend a high pick at running back. You don't need to spend a lot of money in free agency at running back. The Jets have three talented, you know, capable guys at the position right now. That's a good situation to have uh, around your quarterback. Yeah, don't, don't you think it's better to have – options like that rather than defined roles right off the bat. The only the only one that should have a defined role in the offense is Geno Smith. He's the quarterback, and it shouldn't be, well, if Smith struggles, we're going to put Sims in or we're going to put Brady Quinn in. Smith, Geno Smith is the only one that, that should be penciled in for every play of, of, every, of every game. But like you said, they've got these options. They've got a lot of – they actually have a lot of some depth this year. Don't you think that's a better situation than, than what we've had in the past? No, it is. It's it's night and day from last year, really, when they were forced to, you know, play guys basically off the street, and they really had no answer when people started getting hurt and started performing inconsistently. It It's it's a good situation right now, depth-wise. The running back is a good situation, obviously, on defense with the defensive line. Um, and offensively, you know, receiver and tight end might be one through. You know, there's some pieces there. It's just going to be a matter of everyone staying healthy and, you know, being consistent. Um, I feel like you know, I feel like that's the NFL now too, Joe. I feel like that's the NFL at running back. Like, look at what Denver does. It's a, it's a fantasy player's nightmare, but it's it's the NFL now. Like, any week, no Sean Moreno or Ronnie Hillman or Monty Ball could go off and be the guy that particular week. And I think that's what goes on in NFL offenses now. I think you need to have at least two guys. And if you can have three, fantastic. Like Mike Goodson does something different than Bilal Powell does. Like Mike Goodson, if you can get him in space and and maybe, you know, mix in. If those three guys get 10, 12 touches a game each, that's fantastic. And I'm running 55, 60 plays. Sign me up for 36 touches from those three guys. Yeah, I mean, I think we really saw Marty Morningway operating as well as, you know, we've seen an offensive coordinator operate in a long time. He had, he had a perfect first he, half. He had a perfect first half. He had a perfect first half. It was just a very <laughs> all-around, it was a very well-coached, well-planned game, and it left you feeling like, hey, you know, look at the AFC this year, you know, look at this team, I feel good about it. And the NFL is a week-to-week week. I mean, we were having this conversation last week after, you know, the Tennessee debacle, we might be singing a different tune, but the potential's there, and you have to feel good going back home to play Pittsburgh this week. And, yes, the three games after Pittsburgh are tough, but that second half of the schedule is, seems to be manageable. And what's encouraging is that, you know, I don't think, you know, we necessarily ever bought into this team being a 3-13, and 4-12 and type team. But, you know, me personally, I probably thought they were probably about 
a seven and nine, eight and eight team, and maybe they're a touch better than that. You know, maybe at this point it wouldn't be shocking if they were nine and seven or ten and six, and you know they're able to you know steal one from Miami or maybe beat New England at home. The league, you know, the AFC in particular really seems to be pretty wide open after Denver, and you know there's nothing better than a year when you come in with low expectations and you know you're overachieving and getting wins that nobody really thought you had. It reminds me a little bit of. You know, two thousand season like two thousand and six where everyone kinda of thought they were one of the worst teams in the league and ended up going ten and six and making the playoffs. You know, those are really, you know, fun years. Obviously even two thousand nine when, you know, Rex and Mark's first year and you know, they went nine and seven out of nowhere and all of a sudden, you know, you get in the tournament, who knows what could happen. Well you just there there there's a couple things there. One of the things that you just said, Joe, that we Maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago, like the first time we didn't have you, or, or the first time we had you on, we didn't have this luxury, and that is your website's come a really long way. You have a podcast now and stuff. You're doing great work over at Turn on the Jets. You got fantastic writers, all this stuff. But it's all documented. I mean, anything, anything. It's the same with us with the show. Like we've done 150 shows. Like what right. I, what Check I said. Tapes. <laughs> Check the tower logs. You know what I mean? I mean, Airman Rodriguez and O'Malley are here. Yeah. That you know, you said it. I mean, you said it back in 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 March. That uh, you know, or even in April. That and you've been writing it on on turn on the Jets for months. And that's you've seen this team as a, a seven win team, maybe an eight win. You talked about it on your podcast, like. It's it's not a matter of patting ourselves on the back. It's a matter of if somebody looked at this team objectively and wasn't buying the BS negative narrative that the local media was selling to the national media, and and you saw what they were doing defensively, and you knew what kind of coach Rex Ryan was defensively, and you knew what kind of offensive coordinator Marty Morningway was, which we talked about the last time we had you on before we took the hiatus before this season, we said he's the most important pickup they made. Why? Because he was. It's not rocket surgery. <laughs> he was. And so if yeah, you took an objective... Yeah. I mean, if you... Look, we've been watching this team a long time. A long time. And I have seen my share, and Cal has seen his share of offensive coordinators for this team that suck. We were just talking about that the other night, too. Yeah. We we absolutely were. We listed them. We listed them while we were watching the Monday night. Hey, Green Lantern Jet did a, you know, uh, Capolini did a great piece on, uh, uh, what is it, WCBS or whatever? Mm-hmm. And he writes for, um, uh, about having an actual genuine offensive coordinator. But back to that point about the negative narrative and buying into it. Yeah, maybe they overachieve and they go 9-7 and seven and you're right. There's no better years than those years. But if you took an objective look at this team, you know what my favorite thing about Monday night was, Joe? All right, my second favorite thing. First favorite thing was obviously winning. Yeah, an awesome, ridiculous, great win uh, that I was able to uh, catch up with and watch live. That's very rare these days, Joe. Very rare. Um, I DVR'd it. I got – when did I get live with you guys? Halftime. Yeah, I got got live at halftime. Watched the second half live. Very rare. was 140 out of 412 entries in the survival pool that my company runs, which I actually run, uh, eliminated. 140 out of 412 eliminated taking the Falcons over the Jets. And this is this is nationwide. This pool runs nationwide. 140 people 
thought that game, when they had St. Louis, they could take St. Louis this week. You could use St. Louis in your survival pool. And you chose to go against the Jets. And you it's just people buy the national media is lazy, and they bought into it. They bought into it. Yeah, I don't want to... It's good to, you know, get to see, you know, really that defensive line in particular show out on national TV. So if people Absolutely. didn't know who Muhammad Wilkerson is, like, he's one of the four or five best defensive ends in football. You should know who he is. Like, if people didn't know who Sheldon Richardson is, he's probably going to be a defensive rookie of the year. You should probably know who he is. Like, this is a defense that, if you look at just the box scores, you might say, oh, my God, they allowed 37 points to Tennessee. Well, all the points are on a short field. You know, all the yep. points they've been allowed have generally been on a short field. Like, this defense has been borderline dominant at times, although they had a, a lackluster fourth quarter against Atlanta. But, you know, this is a well-coached team that has talent. It was funny watching – you know, people on Twitter who probably hadn't seen the Jets at all yet be like, whoa, like, whoa, look at this Jets team. And like, this Jets team's like, better than this Jets team would beat the Giants by 20. Like, no crap, obviously. Like, I mean, have you been watching? Right, that's right. No, that's, that's exactly, that's the same thing as the survival pool. It's the same thing. Like, people on Twitter are like, oh, who are these guys? Well, these are the guys that they actually were. And if you weren't, you know, listening to Terry Bradshaw, who didn't even know Muhammad Wilkerson's name, you know, this is a guy who, outside of J.J. Watt, I mean, who's, who's a better 3-4 defensive end in football right now. There isn't one. He was and, the second-rated you know, defensive 3-4 defensive end in football last year. How do you not? Yeah. Terry Bradshaw went on FAN on Tuesday and was like, that Mo Wilkinson, He's is that his name? He's good. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Seriously. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it, people just gloss over the team, and yet, you know, Rex has – a team that has talent in different spots, but again, here they are, you know, being competitive. They're not Owen have they ever been 0 five under Rex? Have they ever started out one and four? You know, no. They've always been right in the mix, right around five hundred, and they've had a rough end of the season the last two years. But they were eight and five in two thousand eleven. They lost their yep. last three. You know, they were six and, and cruising. seven last year and lost out. Um yep. so and cruising. tough ends of the year. And we're dealing with a lot of injuries last year. You know, this year they're getting, you know, They've improved talent-wise, you know, incrementally in a few different spots. And, you know, there's no reason that they shouldn't be trained through right now. It's not like they've had, like, you know, they were beating they were beating up on Atlanta in that first half. And then they let yeah, them get back to the game. And then they, yeah, yeah. They've so earned you, three and two. So you brought up a really good point that I didn't necessarily think of. I think it might have entered my head, but... I didn't really pay too much attention to it, but you brought up a good point. If they had done this, if this had been a game just on a regular Sunday afternoon against the Falcons, would have been impressive. And we, and we as Jet fans would have loved it, obviously. And they would have gotten a little bit of attention, like, oh, wow, look what the Jets did. But they did this on Monday night in front of the entire country, in front of the whole football world. As 10-point dogs. As 10-point underdogs. And it was a game that Atlanta desperately needed because Atlanta's a Super Bowl contender. And they did it on Monday night. And do you think now, finally, hopefully, the football world will look at the Jets and know they are more than just butt fumble and more than just circus and more than just Rex's bluster? They might look at them and say, hey, this, is, this might be a pretty good football team. Yeah, I, I, that's why, I mean, like, like you said, it was just nice that it finally happened on a national list because we remember what happened in the national TV games the last couple of years. The loss to Tebow, you know, right. the way they lost to New England last year. Um, 
I think this game will probably give them a little more credibility, you know, with the national media, not, you know, that necessarily matters or means anything, but I, I think moving forward, people will start to take them a little more seriously, and they're going to have more chances to prove it. I mean, they're not going to be in prime time, but, you know, let's see if they could handle a trap game against Pittsburgh at home. Let's see how they handle New England at home, because there's one really disturbing trend with the Rex Ryan years is that every single year he's been the head coach, in the second regular season matchup against the Patriots, they have gotten demolished. Like, every single game has been a blowout, 20 to 30 point blowout. Yeah. Um, let's hope that trend changes this year. And, uh, you know, and let's see how they handle New Orleans at home. New Orleans could be 7 or 8 0 coming to that game. And then you get a tough Cincinnati team on the road. So they're going to have some chances to have some statement wins. And, you know, obviously you don't expect them to go out and, you know, sweep New England, New Orleans, and Cincinnati. But, you know, get one of those games. Be right in all of those games. And, you know, then who is to say that, you know, who you can play with once it gets to later in the year? Um, it will be very, very interesting to see how they handle the trap game this Sunday, an 0-4 team, who they're going to be expected to beat, who still had two weeks to prepare for them while the Jets are coming off a short week. And then if they do win that, how they play, you know, in what would be a game for first place against New England at home when they've really gotten killed in that second matchup with New England. It, it means it's been disturbing really the last few years. Hopefully they break that trend this year. <laughs> but here's the other thing. If, if they go out this week, and Geno Smith throws three interceptions. It doesn't automatically Smith, mean, of course. right? Always been the answer. That's well. That's what you're going to hear. But it's and like he's a rookie. He's going to have a really good game. He's probably going to have another really bad game along the way. But at that's least one. What, at least one. But that's what this season is about. It's about learning what what he can do, and him learning the NFL. You know it. It's not really about making the playoffs. Obviously, we want them to make the playoffs. But this is about developing Geno Smith and seeing if he's your, your long-term quarterback. So that's why if, if he does happen to take a step backwards, it's not the end of the world. I think I, I've, been, I've been very fence-sitting with Geno Smith. Cal's called me on it a few times. A bunch of my friends have. I've been a fence-sitter. I've been a, well, you're loyal to you're loyal to Sanchez. I am a Sanchez loyalist. Yes, I have the armband and everything, and and it's a dark day today. But that's not the point. I've been a flagpole sitter with with um how's that song go? But um with Geno Smith because I there's so much about him I do like. I want so desperately to have a franchise quarterback that I can believe in and feel good about. But I will tell you guys, I think he might be good. I mean, I, I I thought all of the the smear campaign that went on with the his learning curve and his attitude and his you know the, the studying and all that not his leadership all that nonsense was just that it was a smear campaign. If he is drafted by any other team, that that doesn't happen. I mean, it really doesn't happen. You know, or maybe there's a couple teams that it does, but th- that that was because of where and who he was drafted by. It really was. And I saw this past week, and again, I don't want to get, it's, it's, it's too early to say he shouldn't be playing and it's too, or he can't play. And it's too early to say he can, all you can do is take signs, right? So this past week I took two or three really good signs, things I didn't see out of my beloved Mark Sanchez, you know, consistently enough. One of them was putting two hands on the football when you're going to be sacked. Another one was pulling the ball down and running. 
Um, and when running, getting out of bounds with two hands on the football. These are things that sound so simple, and yet to see them a week after so egregiously, the, the, those being so egregiously ignored, it was really nice. Like if he if he can accelerate that learning curve of not turning the ball over, uh, okay, then may, he might be good. Then we might, because he can throw the ball. He can throw the football. I mean, clearly he can throw the football. Clearly he has a ton of athleticism. And clearly he's quite bright. And he's extraordinarily level. Like almost like, like they were talking. I guess he had a quote today that like his mom used to think he was weird because on Christmas morning he didn't get excited. Like he's just like super just, okay, dude. Like everything looks fine. Sleepy almost. Um, but did you did you catch that this weekend, guys? Did you catch like or, or on Monday night? Like, wow, I I I'm watching this play develop, and I'm like, oh my, he's learning. It was, uh, and I, I like the point you made about his temperament and how he carries himself, and that is a positive thing for a quarterback to have. He does seem to maintain a very quiet confidence about his game that has clearly aided him because he led three-game winning drives in his first five starts. And he stayed even-keeled. He's taking responsibility for his mistakes. And I think he's handled, you know, the media situation, the New York situation well so far. I mean, it's very early. You know, you don't want to go crowning him, you know, just for handling his press conferences and doing well with the media. But it's encouraging signs. Um, Obviously, that's part of playing quarterback here. Physically, he has, you know, cannon. Like, he, he can make some throws that we haven't seen, you know, that I haven't seen in a long time. And he, what's nice is that when it's third and 14 or third and 16 now, you actually have a glimmer of hope they actually might convert. And, like, this year they've already converted, like, a handful of, like, third and 14s, like, third yeah. and 17s. And it's like, whoa, like, where, where did That's this That's a great point. Where he just, you know, fires one in there, and you're like, wow. And, yeah. Or he, I mean, I or he can run. Guy who, yeah, yeah. Run. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking a guy he – He's not a guy who naturally looks to run or likes to run, but I think he's picked his spots well at times. I think it's something that he's only going to get better at as his career moves forward and something that's going to be a big weapon for this offense because there's nothing more frustrating for the defense. You have everything covered up, and, you know, he takes off for a 15-yard game and picks up the first down. And I think just as more time passes, he's going to develop into being probably a better, a much better running quarterback in the pros that he was in college because he never really ran in college. Um, but right. I think the NFL is a tool that he could utilize. And he strikes me as the type of guy that's intelligent enough to learn when to utilize it, too, to his advantage. He seems yeah. like a super I, bright I, kid. I, he really know, does. I never, I agree. I never bought into the lazy, you know, unintelligent, yeah. no. not hard work or stuff, which just, I mean, come on. You know, everything we've heard and seen from him is that he's, you know, picked up this offense quickly. You know, he did not look great in the preseason, but he looked, you know, competent week one, struggled week two, looked good week three, struggled week four. You know, he's like a normal rookie quarterback, but it's not yep. like he looks completely clueless out there. He's made some bad mistakes, and he's going to still make bad mistakes, but it's not easy to go 16-20 to 20 on the road, in a dome, in prime time, in your fifth career start, and lead a game-winning drive, you know, like that. I mean, that that's and very, calmly. very impressive stuff. Very calmly. Came out, you know, hit the slant to Stephen Hill, hit the slant to Curley, hit the slant to Hill, Took off for eight yards, you know, completed the screen pass, picked like bing bang, like done game winning field goal. You know what you love there? You love on on those last drives, right? It's always 
So they had what, like a minute 46 left and three timeouts. And I remember texting the guys and even saying like, no, it's okay. We got it. <laughs> I was like, I was like Henry, uh, Henry Hill and Goodfellas. I was like, no, it's okay. No, no, it's all right. It's okay. Yeah, what do you what do you got to know from your mother? No, it's all right. It's selling cigarettes. You were you were mad that Rex wasn't going to use the timeouts. No, I you I said was stubborn. Rex is not going to use the timeouts here. I was saying that when Atlanta still had the ball, Atlanta had the ball. Yeah. If Atlanta was going to milk it, they didn't because they, they couldn't. Right. That's true. Because they if they were if Atlanta had to kick a field goal there to take the lead, they could have taken the clock all the way down and milked the time. Right. I was pissed off because I was saying if Atlanta milks the time, Rex is so stubborn right. that you're not in until you're in that he won't even use his timeouts. You know he'll let it go, but they but Atlanta couldn't do that. They needed a touchdown, but but I felt an unbelievable sense of calm when Geno uh, Smith took over on that last drive because you only need a field goal, you got three timeouts, and you got a minute forty six, and he did something. That Sanchez, I know the comparisons are always there. Sanchez did a number of times on those late drives, and that was take what they give you. Take what they give you. If they're giving you the six-yard slant, you know, the six, seven-yard slant, take it. Take it. Take it. <laughs> Drink it. Um, you know, and he, some quarterbacks, like I guess Favre always talked about that. Manning always said, Peyton Manning always said that's the key. To a two-minute drive, Steve Young said that, or Montana said that's the key to a two-minute drive. Is you can't get too many guys look to get it all at once or look to get big chunks in twenty and thirty yards. Take seven yards. It's okay. You can get another seven yards in the next play. So he did that. It was really encouraging. Okay, we got to move on. Let's move on to this week, and then I really want to get your thoughts about the rest of the NFL, Joe, because you're not a one-trick pony. You know what I mean? You're not. I mean, let's. Let's be honest here. We all know what it is. It is what it is. Um, but you said something about the Pittsburgh game this coming week, and I have to I have to do this. It's a trap! I have to do it. Admiral Akbar. <laughs> when Cal and I first when Cal and I first started the show, I played that clip so many times. And you hate that idea, right, Cal? You hate the idea of the trap game. I I buy into the It's idea a trap! Of- Yes, Sorry. I buy into the idea. <laughs> of the- you, just, you just looked at me as if I was Julia, like taking, like drinking glue. <laughs> like, you just looked at me like I was your daughter, like yeah, like, like, like really disapproving. Yeah, like, like like ripping up a Met jersey or something. Like come just, on, Sam, come on, you're better than that. I buy, I buy the. It's idea. It's a trap. What happened? You, know, it seems like you okay. can't control yourself. I'm done. I, I, I will disagree. I don't buy the fact that this week is a trap game. How could it not be a trap game? It's a trap. The, the reason why I don't believe it's a trap game is because it's Pittsburgh. No. Okay. It, it, any other team, any other 0-4 team that they were going up against this week, absolutely a trap game. But except the Giants. It, except the Giants. But, but the Jets have a history with Pittsburgh, and Rex Ryan specifically has a history with Pittsburgh, and he will not allow them – to, to fall into the trap of the trap game this week against Pittsburgh. <laughs> if you keep saying trap game, you're going to make me play it again, damn it. I'm you're done. just you're pushing me. I want to hear what Joe has to say about that. I agree. I mean, man, man I hope so. I mean, because I'm a little worried. It, it's just, you know, the, <laughs> you're just worried. You're coming off this exciting win. It's a very quick turnaround. You're going back home, and 
just how these teams match up, you would think the Jets' defensive line is just going to eat up Pittsburgh's offensive line, which is a mess right now. And, yep. you know, they're going to have to – they can't run the ball at all on anybody, certainly not on the Jets. And you would think the Jets should be able to tee off on Roethlisberger, but you just worry, you know, Roethlisberger breaking 11 tackles and bombing it down the field to Brown and Cotri <laughs> and Manuel Sanders. And it, it will be a nice step. It will be a nice statement if this team comes out and just handles business. The Jets are a much, much better team than Pittsburgh this season. That's been made abundantly clear over these last totally agree. five weeks. Totally agree. Come out, get up 14 nothing, and get in control of the game. You know, Don't get dragged into you know, a shootout with Roethlisberger. Don't you know, put yourself down 10 nothing. This is a stupid turnovers. This is a game you, you need. If you, again, if you consider yourself a wild-card contender, you need to win AFC games. You're already lost to Tennessee. Two of your two of your three wins have came at a conference, which don't help you in any tiebreakers. And what I'm sure is going to be, you know, six or seven teams right in the mix for that five yep. or six seed. So you better start getting some conference wins. You have some tough games coming up, so you need to beat the 0-4 Pittsburgh Steelers at home. You know they cannot afford a letdown because as great as the win was against Atlanta, if you go out and you lose to the Steelers who are 0-4 at home. It's you know, completely nullifies you know, the point of that win. Yep. No, you, you, you do. You 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 piss it away. You throw cold water on this is what I said about Jet fans that were throwing cold water on and I use quote unquote Jet fans who were like calling FAN on I don't get it, Joe. I don't get it. Why why are you a fan of the team? On on Tuesday on on Yeah, like like just take twenty four hours and don't hate the team that you supposedly love. Like just you know the forty five years of abject misery will be there on Wednesday. Just take twenty four hours and enjoy the win. You know all the shortcomings of this year's team, and there are many of them, will be back after the next loss. Like just enjoy, just enjoy the win. Why do you gotta piss on everything? I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand. Why do you follow sports? I'm sorry. I had to get that in. Last thing on the on the Steelers game, and then just to go around the NFL. Give me a couple of because you're you you guys have like become film guys over a turn on the Jets. Give me a couple uh, of the film room constantly turning now. I love it. Give me a couple of. Uh, I by the way, I got a little peek. Cal, have you watched any of the All Twenty Two? Like when it goes up, or no, no, I haven't. Oh God, it's so good, Joe. The all twenty-two is so good. I can sit there and just really, really watch it all day. Yeah, it's the, it's really cool the best. Like, step back and see it from that angle. Yep, the best cow is just to get it on like YouTube and just have it on the iPad. Yeah, just as you're going to sleep or whatever, like just hanging out instead of I don't know, maybe reading or you know doing something good for yourself, productive. Yeah, just doing something to nurture <laughs> nurture your the the culture in you. Sit there and look at game film <laughs> on your iPad because you can sit there and roll it back and it shows the play from above and then it shows it from behind. It's just so cool. Um, give me a couple of matchups. You know, let's go X's and O's here. Give me a couple of matchups uh, on, on the offensive and, and defensive side of the ball that you think the Jets can exploit. I mean, really, like I, like I alluded to earlier, Mahalo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Damian Harrison should be able to completely tee off on a Pittsburgh offensive line that has been extremely inconsistent, has struggled in pass protection, and they really have no running game to speak of. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, 
you know, is back healthy now. You now he's had a couple weeks to, you know, further rest up, but they just don't get any push in the run game. And teams can't run the ball in the Jets as is, never mind Pittsburgh. And, you know, I expect Pittsburgh to come out throwing and throwing frequently. Now, you know, Jets secondary has been a little fake at times. And, you know, Pittsburgh has three quality receivers with Brown, Sanders, and Contrary. Um, they're starting to work. Uh, Marcus Weedman, uh, one of their draft picks from this year. So they're going to they're gonna attack the Jets vertically and take their shots. And they're going to come after Darren Walls, who I think took a huge step in the right direction against Atlanta. And the Jets are going to have to eventually start creating some turnovers because one thing that has been a little frustrating is that, you know, they did have the one strip sack against Atlanta, but prior to that they hadn't forced any turnovers, I think, since week one. So they're well overdue for an interception or two. I would guess this will be the week where they finally get, you know, one or two because Robinsberger will throw some up to you. But, you know, it's going to be a matter of falling down those receivers. It's just going to be interesting to see where they put Cromartie, who started, I would say, a pretty encouraging game last week. You know, he struggled with the hip injury early in the year, but he doesn't really match up very well with Antonio Brown, who's really their number one receiver. He's a smaller, quicker guy who's going to get moved around in the slot. So, you know, Camarillo might spend most of the game on a guy like Emmanuel Sanders or, you know, Cotri when they go to their three wide. So who, you know, is just going to bracket Brown, how, how they're going to stop him. And then offensively, you know, Pittsburgh's defense, again, not what it normally is. Obviously they have some talent at the outside linebacker position. I'm sure they're going to come after Geno Smith aggressively. But, you know, that, that yeah. secondary on the back end, just there's, there's talent there, you know, like Taylor and Palomaro, but it's just – they're not consistent at the level they used to be. There's going to be plays to be made down the field when, you know, we saw Cincinnati attack them heavily with the tight ends. You know, Eifert had a big game against them in prime time, made a couple big plays. So I would expect to see more fumble and a win flow down the scene. And hopefully the Jets stay balanced on offense. Uh, you know, Goodson, Ivory, and Powell are all going to play again this week. You know, get them all involved, get them in space, get Goodson further involved in the offense, and, you know, hopefully, you know, keep Geno rolling. I mean, the Jets, I'm going to go through his, you know, 16 completions later in the week. But it was a pretty simplistic game plan, on the, at least passing-wise. Yes. You know, it was a lot of, you know, stuff he did at West Virginia. You know, that's it's the four vertical that he hit the two big plays to Cumberland on. You know, just having Curly isolated and running a little whip route, he scored the touchdown on. And then just yep. a handful of wide receiver screens and quick slants that he hit. I mean, it wasn't overly complicated stuff. It was stuff he did in college. It was very basic reads and, you know, stay with that because he wasn't very comfortable with it. Yeah, tremendous route by Curly, too, on that play. Tremendous route. Yeah, that's all that... see him healthy and back in the mix. And that's all the difference, right, Joe? When 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 the receivers run good routes and there's a, you know, there's a, a there's a well-designed play, right? So, you know, Morningway is designing the play well and then the receiver runs a sharp, crisp, excellent route. And he knows what he's doing. Boy, it looks easy. It looks so much easier when Curly runs that good of a route and sells it, and and then you know gets it, and then makes a nice little wiggle move and gets into the end. It's just nice to see. It's just it seems it it's just refreshing. <laughs> you know what else is? You know what, nice else, you know what else is nice and refreshing is the fact that we get the Steelers in our yard finally. It feels like we've been going to Pittsburgh for years. They're finally here. Sure. That's going to be nice. It's been a while. The last time they were here, I think the Jets actually upset them. Was that in 2007 with Kellen Clemens? Yep, that? that's it right. Kellen Clemens. Time? Yep. Was that like 13-10 or something like that? Like some god-awful game? A thrilling one. Yeah. Now, uh, so we want to go uh, real quick. We do want to uh, 
talk about Joe the the Giants. The, the Giants. For the Giants. I can't tell what the this Giants, one right now. The Giants are zero five. I don't that, look. They're about to be zero six as well because there's no other win in Chicago tomorrow night. I I totally agree. I Cal and I both did not think that they were going to be a good team this year. We thought they were going to be eight and eight. Thought they were in the middle of the pack team. Everybody who was getting all excited about how explosive the offense would be, and Cal and I both said it. And it's not a pat on the back or whatever. It's just who's blocking, and they have zero run game. And also that their defense uh, had the chance to get old all at once. Well, all that's happened, right? So here's my question, and it's try to keep from snickering when we answer. All of us, let's behave. Try to keep. Well, if you if they go two and fourteen, no, that's too much. <laughs> let, me, let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. If they go four and twelve, and they have the number four overall pick, who is this team? Who are they taking? Is this I like mean, this? Is this is this like the Colts one in fifteen year sellout year to go get? Quarterback? Like we we I mean, can start we can start talking about this now, right? Like it's okay, right? I it, it's a really interesting thought, <laughs> and it you know it's I think when you look at that Giants roster, it was if they were going to be good this year and they were going to win that division, it was going to be up to Eli to elevate the entire team around him because they don't have any good linebackers. They haven't for a while. Their D line isn't what it used to be. They're okay in the secondary. They had no proven running backs and okay O line. Yes, they have their talented receiver, but you know, Nix is banged up and said, Hey, you know, if, if you're gonna be good this year, Eli's gonna have to elevate the team around him and play at a higher regular season level than he normally does and obviously that hasn't happened yet. He's got, you know, four hundred and seven interceptions through five games or whatever it is we believe. my gut thought is that they probably would not pull the trigger on one of the big-time quarterbacks. They'll probably take an alignment. Maybe they take, a, you know, a piece for that defense. I do think they're going to be in the mix for that pick. I think they're a legitimate 3-13 and or 4-12 and team. I, I don't see I where agree. the magic turnaround is coming. I think they're going to be 0-6, and, and then they got to go to Philly. I don't see any reason to think they're going to win in Philly. They couldn't beat Philly at home, and Vic didn't even play. You know, they do have some so I know, I know they do have Oakland at home. I think, obviously, that should be a win. You would think they're going to have to win at some point, but then they still got to play. You know, they got to play Washington twice. they got to play Seattle on the back end of their schedule. <laughs> they're going to – I mean, they're, they're going to be a four – you're all in five. I mean, to say they're going four and 12 is, you know, it's not crazy at this point. No. So I mean, that – It'll be interesting to see where they land in that top ten of picks, and I don't think it will be a quarterback, but I would guess they'll try to beef up that O-line. I mean, Jerry Reese has got a lot of work to do this offseason. Here is the – here's – speaking of that exactly, here is the crazy thing. Guys, this week I was talking to one of my buddies at work, Jess, who's been on the show a bunch of times. He came out to Blue Haven and stuff. Real good Giant fan. Very realistic Giant fan. Like, he's he's good. He's one of the good ones. But he was talking about – we were talking about Jerry Reese's drafts. And so we did it. Like, he sent me over. We went to go get coffee. We were just talking about Jerry Reese's drafts. And we were like, look, it's not a surprise that they're here because name me the linebacker or the offensive lineman that they've drafted that's stuck. And so we decided to take a look back at his drafts, you know, uh, and 07 being his first one. And because 07 was such a hit, 
and they went to the Super Bowl and won and, and, and beat the Patriots, he's sort of he's sort of gotten like a draft pass for a number of years because and, and by the way, he did it with half of Ernie Corsi's book, as my buddy Jess said. My buddy Jess was like, that's Ernie Corsi's draft. Yeah. You know, the Ahmad Bradshaw and, and you know, they, they hit on so many, all, I think it was eight guys, all eight guys made the team and they contributed to the Super Bowl run. Since then, it sucked. I mean, it, you can, you can't give one of his drafts better than a C. And some of them are only a C because of, like, Akeem Nix. Like, Akeem Nix keeps that entire draft from being like a D. It hasn't been good, and he's gotten the Super Bowl pass since 07. You know, I mean, you can't, yeah, can't you count Victor Cruz in there. Yeah, yeah you, I mean, you can't count Victor Cruz in there. Victor Cruz was an undrafted free agent. You can't I, – I don't know. You go looking at his drafts, it's not surprising they are where they are, or it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be surprising they are where they are. There's very few starters there, very few. Uh, I I – Look, I'd be lying if I said that <laughs> enjoyable is not the right word. It's 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 a relief. How's that? It's a relief. After all the crap that the Jets have been through in this town for the last few years, to have the Giants be this bad and be fighting with each other. Right, Cal? And you're shaking your head. I am. I am just deathly afraid of the karma police, so I'm not saying anything. No, there's no. What what am I saying? No, I'm. I I just I don't want to take any. I mean, inside of me. You're afraid. You're afraid of Radiohead. A little bit. <laughs> Going to open my door. Yeah, Tom York is a very small guy. He's intimidating, I think he, though. He has that eye thing. Scary. Um, I, um, in, in inside, I'm I'm happy that this is happening, but I, I just you know. I'm not happy. That's what I'm saying. I'm not happy. I'm relieved that the Jets don't have to take crap for a year. Like, let let the Giants have a crap year and take crap all year. I don't care. The Jets, let the Jets go 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight and just have like a... Uh, like a normal a, year. Yeah, like just like a normal football year. Right. Let the Giants yeah, take the let crap the this year. Let the Giants do all the uh, not playing their games in strip clubs headlines. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All right, Joe, before we let you go... And thank you for staying on so long, brother. I appreciate it. Um, uh, real quick, your, uh, I know you don't do impressions, but if you did, give me your impressions. Uh, week six of the NFL, uh, where you see certain teams. Let's, let's go AFC. Anything surprising you tremendously? I mean, Kansas City, I think it's 5-0. I thought they were going to compete for a wild card spot. I didn't think and they would jump off to this quick of a start. It's going to be interesting to see with that defense what happens when they actually get a crack at Denver. I don't, I don't think they're built to hang with them, but it'll be interesting to see when those two teams finally face off. Um, their schedule their North, schedule is crazy easy, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Kansas I mean, City. They're going to take I mean, advantage of it. And they, you know, their schedule is nuts easy. 11, you know, an 11-win 11 type wild card team. And then, you know, you go down to the north. You know, the Ravens haven't looked overly impressive, you know. No one's really going to run away with that division. It looks like Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Baltimore are all going to kind of beat each other up and kind of all be in the mix. 
um, the South. I mean, the Texans are a train wreck right now. I mean, they look like they're ready to, you know, kind of pack it in for a year. And the Indy's going to kind of run away with that division. I'm not sure how much Tennessee is going to stick around without Locker. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams who could be hovering right around 500, which just, you know, increases the importance of the Jets beating Pittsburgh and, you know, seeing how they face off with Miami, who got off to that 3-0 start, but now it's lost a couple games, now goes into the bye. You know, I'm not really sure. I don't have a good enough feel for Miami, you know, how good they actually are, because we saw, ah. you know, they beat Atlanta at home. <laughs> you know, they they lost. They had their chance in New Orleans on Monday night. They lost. You know, they blew a game they should have beat Baltimore at home at. So, you know, how good are they really? You know, we'll find out in the second half of the year. You know, Jess will get them twice, and those should be fun games. But, um, you know, I would still still save money to think that, you know, New England's probably going to run away with the AFCs. Um, you know, are they vulnerable, Joe? I think, I think Joe, are they vulnerable? They feel vulnerable. vulnerable. I mean, they're, they're vulnerable. Wolf, Wolf they've down. been vulnerable at times the past few years, but they always seem to find a way to string together enough wins. Because they're it's running mind having to watch year after year. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, we'll see. The Jets are going to get a good crack at them early in the year at home. I mean, we get both these games out of the way before the halfway point. So hopefully and I'm going. I'm going, baby. Yeah. That's my one year this year. Uh, that's my one game this year. That's the one to go to. And that's one. We're gonna. We're gonna. Are you gonna be there? We're gonna have sausage and peppers, nice or what? I'll be nice. I gotta. I gotta sort out with the cousins and uncles. We divide up the season tickets. I am going to Pittsburgh this week. I'm not sure about New England yet. We don't, we don't plan nice. that far ahead. Big I big Paulie's so. big Paulie's going to his one game this weekend. My uncle, uh, and then I'm go. I would have gone this weekend, but I got a wedding. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna dance, guys. I'm gonna do a little dancing. Nice. Boy. Yeah. No, I'm gonna do. Hey! There it is. Pam Badgley chewing up the. Uh, That's right. A can, can of peas. A can of peas. Um, what do you, I, I think they are vulnerable. I really do. I think, uh, but I'm not looking ahead. I think Rex and this Jets team can play that one game uh, at a week. One, you know, one game a week, one game seasons. No respect. I think he can play for a while. I really do. Like I really think he has them buying that. And that's one of the reasons he had named Geno Smith starter for the year. Like, why? It's yeah. it's a one every week's a one game season. Absolutely. You know, there's 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 no no need to. He's learning from his mistakes. You know, with Sanchez, he was given the job. There was never any threat he was going to lose it. He he was never afraid for his job. There was never you know he had too much job certainty. You know what? There's no need to do it. No need to do it. So all right, fine. NFC surprises. I mean, I just can't believe how awful top to bottom the NFC East is. It, it looks like yes. Dallas can go eight and eight and win that division by two or three games. And you know, beyond, I mean, I was a little surprised early in the year when San Francisco was kind of stumbling a little bit, but it looks like they've kind of righted the ship at this point. I don't, but they Alden Smith with the guns now today, and I, oh yeah, man, that's, that's no good for anybody. <laughs> and, uh, the uh, I mean, the thing is, like with the Falcons. Well, I mean, the Tucks are over four, which is kind of hard not to laugh at as well. And same it's enjoyable. Already that, that's enjoyable. Yes. <laughs> that's enjoyable. So, that's, that's pretty <laughs> enjoyable. And, uh, <laughs> Revis at 0-4 and, and his quarterback's already been released and picked up and by yeah, another I, team. Yeah, and he's got a train wreck, you know, head coach right. situation. It's, it's like, that, that's like a real circus over that's there. That's enjoyable. We are family. We are family, You know, <laughs> yeah, how about 
how good the Saints really are now with Rob Ryan coming up that defense. I mean, they, they look very, very good. It would be fun to see Rob and Rex go against each other in a few weeks. Um, yeah. Cal, is that the best team in the NFC right now? The Saints? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they look they very have, good. I think they have um, to be right now. Yeah, I mean, if they're playing defense to go with that offense, I mean, that that's a handful to be. I'm glad Jets got them in MetLife in November, but then it's a tough matchup so to cover all those guys when Breeze is rolling. Oh, yeah. and, the, the, and the Saints have a little uh, retribution going with Sean Payton and everything, too, so... Yeah, that yeah. that might be. I would say that's the hardest game remaining on the Jets' schedule, at least on paper. Oh, for sure. Than yeah. And that's and it's not even in New Orleans. If it was in New Orleans, yeah. they'd thirty point yeah, underdog. Exactly. Um. So one last thing I want to touch on here, uh, and we were going to talk about this. Maybe Joe, we'll talk about it next time. It wasn't really applicable tonight, but that idea of Rex Ryan being a defensive guru and not being able to sort of help out the offensive coordinator with recognizing a game plan and stuff. We'll do that another time. But I want to ask this question of both of you guys. Okay. So the Jets are three and two. They were two and two. Uh, I have heard this phrase so many times, and I want to ask you guys, is there a more overused expression in football then Bill Parcells is, you are what your record says you are. I am so friggin' tired of hearing. Well, of they've turned Bill Parcells into Confucius. Okay, with this, with this. I'm, I'm sorry. I want to get your guys' thoughts on that phrase. I've heard it so many friggin' times. Shut up. Okay. Yes, you are what your record says you are. And then, like but the then it's like immediately, right, it's, <laughs> it's immediately piggybacked with, but the, the, but you are what your record says you are. But three of those wins aren't good wins, and two of those losses are bad losses. Well, so then I guess you're not what your record says you are. I guess you're not. Which one is it? You, if I, mean, I hear that on one more CBS Sports minute, I'm gonna friggin' scream. That's a lot of friggin'. I'm sorry. To me, pretty simply, the Jets look like a team that if they protect the football, they're going to be in every single game, and they're going to be a 500 to slightly above 500 team. And if they play offense like they played against Atlanta, they're you know they're going to win their share of games, particularly with how their second half of the schedule kind of softens up a little bit. So it, it comes down to you know Geno Smith and protecting the football. If he isn't throwing three interceptions or having two fumbles, Jets are going to be really tough to beat because that defense is young and it's only getting better. And offensively, they're only going to get better as the pieces around Smith, you know, get more acclimated to the system, get a little more consistency, get healthy. I think they're a dangerous team. I think they're going to be – there's going to be a couple ugly patches here or there, a couple ugly games. But I think for the most part, they're going to have a couple more quote-unquote surprise wins. And I think they're going to be there every single week. It's going to be a fun season and a fun team to follow the rest of the year. And, and I, I think if you know if we're hanging out in cliche town, um, they do have to take it one game at a time because they have a rookie quarterback and they have a new offensive coordinator and a new system. And when you go into the week, like you're going into Pittsburgh, you, you don't know what to expect from them. And I think that that's fair. I think that's okay to not know what to expect from them. We kind of have to see how it plays out. And that's what this season, to me, 
is all about is learning what you have. They've got the talent to be dangerous for sure, but you got to learn what you have and build off of your successes. Like last week, build off of Geno Smith's performance, build off of that defensive line's performance this week. Let's see what you have. But to go into a game expecting that Geno Smith is going to go 16 for 20 for 200 yards and no one, I think you can't, you can't expect, you can't expect that yet because he's still too new. So that's how I look at the season right now, but it's so much more enjoyable oh. this year than it was last year. Oh, it's nice. So much more. Cal, you are what your record says you are. Okay? That's it. I'm sorry. We're going to take it one game at a time. And I, I just and I hate that it's got to be attributed to Parcells every time. Every time you have to – it's almost like he has like a Phil Jackson three-peat trademark on it or a Pat, Pat Riley <laughs> trademark on it. Like uh, <laughs> you are what your record says you are. Parcells. Maybe he heard Belichick say it once, and he just stole it. That's that's entirely true because we all know Belichick is the real is the real genius. Joe, before we let you go, tell us about the whistle. Tell us about. I'm, I'm and obviously we know about your great work at TurnOnTheJets.com. It is the place for jet coverage. It, it is. It's the best. And, uh, we're not. We're not. We're not on any malls. This is. It is what it is. Um, but tell us about this new job at the whistle, which immediately makes me feel old. <laughs> well, I appreciate the kind words about TOJ. And my job with the Whistle is actually now my full-time bill-paying uh, job, which is great. I finally moved over into getting to do, you know, sports editing and sports writing full-time after kind of bouncing around with a few other jobs out of college. And what it basically is, it's a new sports site that just launched in the past year that is geared towards kids and teenagers, providing them with kind of smart, you know, educational, like, sports news and information so they can avoid, you know, ESPN and the constant steroids and Tebow and Skip Bayless and all that other stuff. And, you know, kind of pick up some, you know, intelligent (laughs) and, you know, fun commentary videos. So we're, you know, the site launching its beta phase last year and we're kind of ramping up, um, adding on staff and, you know, just trying to produce content. We, you know, we cover all sports. We cover, you know, the NFL, the NBA, hockey, uh, baseball, um, you know, even, you know, into like, you know, lacrosse and soccer and, you know, we have a great staff over there, and it's been a Good. lot of fun. I've only been there for about a week and a half, but it's been a blast so far. And I'm looking forward to being with everybody at Blue Haven tomorrow night watching the Giants game. Nice. Another plug. Look at, the, look at this kid. Any He's recommendations on what I should be eating or uh, eating there? Well, All of it. <laughs> they have uh, they have, they have have six point on tap there, too, Joe. Oh, so Excellent. choice. All right. All right. I mean, just magnificent. Honestly, Cal, though, uh, uh, I don't know if you've checked out the whistle. And I'm not just saying this, Joe. The site is super cool. It really is. And I love, love, love the idea. I love it. Like, I, I hope you guys can pull it off there because the idea of, like, a positive, cool, you know, it doesn't have to be cheesy or whatever. A positive, cool website for younger people for sports is – it's sports. This is this goes back to what I was saying before about a Jet fan, you know – Throwing water, cold water on his own win. It's it's fun. Holy macaroni, it's fun. This is what you're supposed to. This is you're rooting for your teams. It's fun. Exactly. You know, and, and I, I, I and, I, and I think that's there. I think it's really there. The site looks really good. Yeah, you know, get this yeah. stuff out there for the kids now because there's so much negativity out there right now. Get, get these kids oh, on. Yeah. Get these kids on your site and look at that stuff and and just spin it the way that it should be for them 
and get them started early so that as they grow up, they know, well, sports is not all negative. Sports yep. is fun, and there's yep. a lot of positive to it. I love so, that you guys I are. Great. Yeah, I, I love that you guys are incorporating video games in there too. You have to. You have to. You have to speak to that. That's what a 15 year old knows. I mean, he knows the show. He knows Madden. He knows. You know, get get them get them in there. Speak to that language, and also it, there seems to be a ton of video on the site, which is great because it's short attention span theater. You know, it's uh, it's really good. So, really, best of luck there, Joe. It, we're really happy for you, and and the site really is cool. Make it work because we need it. Thank you. We had a lot. We had a great staff over there, particularly you know in the multimedia department, as you uh, mentioned, and a lot of very smart people. You know, came up with the concept and were you know guiding us. So, definitely happy to be a part of the team there, and I appreciate all the positive words about the whistle along with uh, DOJ and. Good chat tonight, guys. I think we've logged. Uh, yeah, I feel good. Minutes. I feel good. I feel good. Cal, how do you feel? I feel great. You look good. I, we, I, I feel a lot better than I did 90 minutes ago. I, sure. I do too. It's nice to talk about the Jets. And and especially, after the, especially after a win. It's always, it's always nice. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else to plug, Joe? What do you got coming up on TOJ going into the weekend? Uh, you know, we're going to be heavy with uh, our film review in the next couple of days, kind of prepping for the Steelers game. And there's our normal, you know, stopwatch of tomorrow, roundtable, um, 12-pack on Friday, our big man report, with breaking down the O-line, all our normal uh, weekly features. And, uh, yeah, we should have our podcast back up and rolling, you know, on a week-to-week basis. So we should have, we actually did record Tuesday night. We just got to get the link live uh, tomorrow morning. And, you know, we'll be pushing ahead with that and also pushing ahead uh, – you know, would turn on the Knicks as well. I mean, I handed off handed off a lot of the editorial responsibility at both sites, and everyone has been more than capable and has you know really done a great job of keeping everything updated, keeping all the content out there. So, stay with us. We'll be busy. Awesome, brother. Well, we'll, we'll we'd love to have you back on the couple. And if you go into the Patriots game, let's break bread. Let's do this. Absolutely, sausage and peppers. Like, I'm ready. Like, like men. PJ, do you have do you have outro music for Joe? I know you do. Joe. Excellent, excellent. Wow, little Nick Drake. Oofa. It got, it got awfully mellow here. A little melancholy. Joe, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, pal. All right, thanks, Ted. Uh, <laughs> wow. Joe, Cat, so good. That's all the time we have uh, live for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. For PJ and Cal, I'm Steve. Uh, thanks for listening. Go check out the podcast tomorrow. Good night, everyone. On iTunes and check it out. Well, we don't have to go. I'm saying good night to the live listeners. Oh, to the live listeners, yes. Uh, thanks, guys. See you next week. Um, now, we could do a fun load. Wow. That, that was some outro. Yeah. Holy cow. I feel, I feel a little, I feel like we should go. I think we should go, but I think we it's should go. It's kind of like the Dalai Lama has left the building. That's what I was going for there. <laughs> you got You nailed it. Thank you. I say let's go, but let's go on our terms. Yeah, that's right. I feel like that was a little bit of a... While it was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> Nick Drake. You can't listen to Nick Drake and feel good about yourself. Or, or anything, really. That 90 Untrue. minutes that just pumped me up and made me feel so good... In the span of 30 seconds, just gone.
like that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do we want to do a fun load, like a 10-minute fun load, just to cleanse the palate here? Mm-hmm. Let, well, let's ask PJ. If he, PJ hasn't been on all show. Does he, have any, right. does he have anything to plug? I, I don't. I don't. Uh, are, you but I do. on, are you working on anything? Tease, How's the house coming along? Uh, I can tease. There's, there's a big fun load coming. Ooh. The, can we, the cow... The cow-inspired fun load. Oh, next week we'll do that then. Uh, I, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna write out the rules, and it's gonna be uh, some audience participation possibly, or maybe just the hosts participating, or sure. no one. Maybe and, we can uh, get would would Danny, uh, our buddy Dan, be a good person for that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Would maybe we'll call him up for the fun load. And he's got a theme song coming too. We, we we should call him Fun Load Dan. I want to have him You'll on. You'll love that. Time. No, I want. <laughs> love that one. Makes him sound like a porn star. Um, Fun Load Dan. I want Danny Fun Load in his pants. <laughs> Danny Fun Load. Now it's time for Danny Fun Load. <laughs> fun Load. Um, you know what I do want to have Dan on for though, Cal. Seriously is the League of Denial uh, special that was on Frontline last night, the PBS special League of Denial about the concussion problem in the NFL. Um, the book looks amazing. The documentary, when you get it, I know you DVR'd it. When you get a chance to watch it. Yeah, I'll watch it this weekend. Yeah, it was, I mean, Pete, you should watch it too. Extraordinarily interesting. Um, and sad. Uh, brains. And it's about, it's, uh, these guys, uh, these investigative reporters, both of whom, they're brothers, both of whom have won uh, Pulitzer Prizes uh, for their reporting in Iraq. And, like, these are serious guys. Um, wrote this book that was just released, uh, just dropped this week. <laughs> you don't say that about books, do you? Um, Drop the book? <laughs> it doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't. Uh, this week about the concussion problem in the NFL brain damage related to NFL players. And of course there was a, the huge lawsuit that was just settled uh, by ex NFL players and the NFL's cover up of research and investigation of the potential brain damage from playing in the NFL. And it's guys, it's the saddest. If you love football, like I know Peach, I know you like football. Okay, you. <laughs> we love football, right? It's like you like bread. You love bread. I don't. I don't love bread. I like bread. I feel like I'm in Fatso. <laughs> Remember that in Fatso? Yeah. You don't know how to run your plate, Junior. Look, you love bread. I just like bread. Um, it's really sad and it's really fascinating, all at the same time. There it is. Do they play this in the background? This is the soundtrack. How did you get your hands on the soundtrack? By the way, strangely enough, the Spin Doctor's on the soundtrack, too. I thought that was way... (laughs) Don't know why you play Two Princes when you're talking about Mike Webster. (laughs) Did not seem appropriate. Really strange. Why do people put down the Spin Doctor's? Because it's easy. 
when people want to talk about something ridiculous about the 90s, inevitably the spin doctors come up. Yeah, it's simple. Right, or the gym blossoms. It's comfortable. Hey, Jealousy. Hey. Um, but I do I do want to get Dan. Our friend Dan is an actual neurologist, and, uh, one of the leading research neurologists in his particular field, and he yeah. promises, promises me he's going to read the book and watch, watch this documentary. He's extraordinarily interested in it, and then he'll come on and talk to us about it. So I do want to do that. But he, maybe he's good for this fun, though, too. Maybe. Uh, you definitely, you're, definitely. You're, you're going to find out. Uh, there it is. Tease Master. The Tease Master, Master J. Tease Master General. I didn't think you were going to reveal that it was me, though, that submitted it. <laughs> That's all right. This is good. This is... Uh... I, I, sent, I sent the idea into the Funload mailbox, but it was from Calnonymous. Hoping that he wouldn't know who it was. You expecting anonymity? I'm so I blew this cover. Well, it's it's too late for that. Clever. Clever name. I didn't think anybody. You'd never know that. Calnonymous. Who could this be? I figured I'd type it so you wouldn't know my handwriting. Would it? (laughs) Why didn't you? Why didn't you you send a like a ransom letter? I used ransom font. Oh my God, you're killing me! <laughs> and, and I demanded fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Ransom font. They have it. I know they it? do. Of course they do. Yeah. I just love the idea of Calnonymous in Ransom font. Like, wow, he really went out of his way here, and then he comes up with Calnonymous. <laughs> like, why not know. just put Why not just put Bill? I went through the whole trouble of scrambling my IP address. <laughs> So he would never be able to trace it back to me. And then you signed it. And then at the bottom it said, P.S., it's really me, Cal. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't want you to be scared. Right. I was a little scared. What is this mailbox you're talking about? The RTU Funload mailbox? Yeah, what is that? That's the mailbox where if you have ideas and you want to hear us talk about in a Funload, in a future Funload, you submit an email to this mailbox. And what's that email address? I have a bookmark. RTU Funload. <laughs> that Boy, we are the we are the best in the business. Listen, that's the equivalent of asking somebody, Hey, what's what's your phone number? I don't know. I've got it on speed dial. It's number three. It's on autocomplete. I don't know what it is. I type RTU and it finishes it for me. I put the number three and your number comes up and I call you. It's RTU. You send an email to rtufunload at gmail.com, which is a new thing. They just email. came up what, with email? Just... <laughs> emails. Emails new? Well, it's, it's like Hotmail when... in color. When did they start this? This email. So you're saying I can send you a message electronically? I don't think that's possible. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's happening. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks for that confirmation. Thanks. You sounded like Shirley from What's Happening. <laughs> you really did. Why did Shirley Hemphill, Hemphill just just decide to let me know that this was possible? Mm-hmm. Bishop is all over the map tonight. Bishop doesn't know where he is. Ooh, Raj, you gonna get it? 
Uh, you in trouble? Make that a double. That wow. show. I was like, somebody watched a lot of what's happening. Oh, it, was, it was on. I watched it every day. Every it was day. on after school every day. How many times did you recreate the uh, basketball <laughs> during the credits? The ba- basketball passes and the one-off. Yes. Yeah. I always tried to do it in slow motion, too, and yep. I failed miserably. It's very difficult to replicate slow motion. Right. Those Real guys much. looked like I wanted to be their friends. I didn't, wanna, I I didn't necessarily <laughs> want to be friends with Richie Cunningham and Posse. No, totally agree. Oh, totally agree. Richard Doobie, you be. <laughs> now, Those Roger, are fun, fun guys. The old now, bootlegging of the concert. No Roger, no Rira, no Rent. Really touched on a lot of issues of the of the day too. It was societal, uh, a societal reflection. Single parenting. Yep. With with Mama. With Mama. No name on Mama, right? Mabel. Oh, <laughs> Mabel. <laughs> the yeah. show is really about both both obesity. child and both juvenile and adult. That's right. This is good. Roger and D. Sister. You know, you know who no one wanted to be friends with? The gang from Good Time. No. No. That was because too dark. It, so, too depressing. So, so preachy. You know the the what's happening gang was teaching you lessons you didn't even know it. They were just carefree too. That's right. They were hanging out in the soda shop, you know, playing doing, ball, doing the Raj oh, dance. I wanted to be friends with Arnold Jackson, but maybe not so much uh, Webster. Nobody look. Nobody wanted to be friends with Arnold Jackson. I agree. I, I, I reject it. I, I, I would have loved to get invited over the drumming. To the house. Exactly. To, maybe Willis. Arnold Jackson would have been like hanging out with like a five-year-old. Come on. Even when, even when I was watching that show and I was eight, I felt like I was 15 years older than, than Arnold Jackson. Because he was small. That's correct. But Webster had, Webster had the dumbwaiter. You remember he used to he used to travel in the dumbwaiter from the kitchen to the. What a clever comic device! Don't you remember Let's that? Let's do it over and over. You, you, you oh, very few people can pull that off. <laughs> well, that's wow. true. That's like Vern Troyer, maybe. We're not getting Charlotte Ray. Not in the oh. dumbwaiter. <laughs> I didn't want to be friends with anybody from Facts of Life. You kids in a dumb waiter again. No, you he wait. wanted to be no, wait, 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 wait. Go back. Hold on. Okay. That's a life. What? Hold, hold the phone there. I would have hung out with Joe Polnicek. And I absolutely would have hung out with Clooney later well, on. Look, don't he fixed your bike. He was apparently a painter. He might have been a painter. Well, he was just like a general handyman, right? He was a handy. He's a handyman, George, right? Right. His name was George on the show. Am I? I yeah. I'm. Yes. It was. Uh, you wouldn't want to hang out with Joe Polnicek. Come on now. Yeah. I feel like she'd, be, she'd beat me up. Yeah, there's too much she there. Was, she was tough. She's a. T- she was a tough gal. She was a tough gal. Does that intimidate you? Yes, very much so. He wow. wanted to hang out with the Keatons. That's where he wanted to Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want I don't, to go over there. 
You didn't want to go over that house? Oh, hey, don't really. be pushing your politics here. Right, that talk house, about preachy. The bitcher, bishop. <laughs> that house was always so much, just always seemed so much better than any house that I was going to. Everybody was having a good time. Everybody liked each other. There was no yelling. All right, instant fun load. <laughs> instant fun load. you got to live with one TV family. Let's go. Who is it? Nice. Wow. Sitcom, right? Sitcom only? No, no. Well, you you want to get weird and then live with the Waltons? Go live with the Waltons. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that, that that applies. No, I say sitcom. You have to break it down. It has to be sitcom only. has right, to be. Sitcom, sitcom edition. Because if, if I want to go live in, in, in Beverly Hills 90210, my friends, I'm going to go live with the Walshes. You're creepy. Or I'm going to go live in Melrose Place and see who I, who, who I can hang out with. We know what you're oh, doing. hang out with. <laughs> like, stuck in the I, want, I want to go hang out with the cast of The Real World. <laughs> Seasons 3, 5, The eight. original world. <laughs> All right, sit, I say sitcom edition. All right, oh, sitcom this... edition. You get one TV family to go live one. with. That's hard. George Clooney's name on the show was George Burnett. George Burnett. Of course. Of course. It was. He had the Tony Danza syndrome. He had to, <laughs> has, to name, has to be named Tony on any show that he's on. Oh, Samantha. I'm surprised at you. One sitcom family. One sitcom family. Where are you going? I'll give you mine. Partridge family. I'm in. <laughs> family band. Wife cracking little brother. Danny Bonaducci. Hot Mag- stepsister. Everybody has a drug problem eventually. Oh, God. I am so there. That's that's right up your alley. I could see you on that show. Oh, totally. I could see 15-year-old PJ on that show. No doubt. Oh, yeah. I haven't been aware of myself yet. Walking around with pit stains, <laughs> the amount of acne. <laughs> Can I try your keyboard, Lori? I would have said growing pains, the fevers, just for thick, and also because <laughs> just so Alan thick is my dad. But I can't. I so can't stand Kirk Cameron now. I don't want to live with him. Can I ask you? I got to ask a question on this. You get a question. All right. Is this, will you live with them forever? Like, is it a permanent, you're moving in or you're staying with them for a period of time? It's like rock and roll fantasy camp, maybe the summer. Oh, the summer? For the summer. You're a, you're a full-on member of the sitcom family for the summer. I, I think I'd go stay with the Winslows. Did not see that coming. I now that's why I qualified it. I would not want to be stuck there, but I would like to be able to visit and then leave. I have another question, if I may. Am I a mem? Am I a member of the family? Like, am I a Keaton, or are you like all of us? Or am I like Uncle Ned? Am I coming in like Tom Hanks style, as Uncle Ned the alcoholic? Like, am I coming in at a guest starring capacity? And you're do you, do you also have you're to go in as, a, as an alcoholic? <laughs> you're, a, you're, you're a long story arc guest member. But am I a family member? Am I a Keaton? Am I a Caesar? You, you am get to I? Uh, you get to decide that. 
What was you can Jesse's be a family member or you could be like a beloved well, friend. I do get to decide that myself. Okay. You could, you could be a Maselli. Could I be a Maselli? I could have easily been a Maselli on that show. They could have easily, oh, my God. easily written me in as Tony's little brother. Or Tony's nephew. Samantha. Tony, it's good to see you. I love being in Connecticut. This house is beautiful. Is Mona off limits? Uh, that would that would get a good laugh. That one would. That be. is a rating spike. Right hey there. Tony, what's up with you and Angela? Because she's beautiful, <laughs> and I would hit that. <laughs> did they oh, say boy. hit? Did they say I hit that then? No. I don't think that hit that. No. They were still saying okay. do Here's where I'm going. Oh, you, you haven't gone anywhere yet? No. I'm, I'm, still, not deciding. On a, I'm still afraid. That was conjecture, Cal. Through, oh, through all of that. I'm still a free agent. I'm going to go be a Cosby. Oh. Interesting. Wow. When who is living there? All <laughs> right. What season? Uh, <laughs> season one, Cosby. Okay. Little cute Rudy. Cute Rudy. That's right. Denise is home. Denise is home. Sonia hasn't moved back, though. Sonia has not moved back. Sonia's right. not back in the picture. With Elvin. And I'm going to be the the white boyfriend. Of, of who, Denise? Oh, of Denise. wow. <laughs> not, not bad. That's good. I like that. I like that everything about that. You... Would anybody want to live on Seinfeld? <laughs> no. No, you want to. You want a family. Watch, you want to watch Seinfeld. Yeah, and you want to right. be part of a family. You don't want to live with the Costanzas. <laughs> the Costanzas. Well, maybe. You cannot date my daughter. <laughs> If you... it was the weekend, I would do it. If it was the whole summer, I wouldn't do it. It'd be too long. Yeah, a weekend with the Costanzas would be great. I feel like I'd get a kick out of hanging out with this, uh, the family from ALF. Right? Listen, oh. no, Cal. I don't know why. ALF. Again with the cat. <laughs> Willie, he's a cat. What am I supposed to do? Listen, no, Cal. You don't... Mm. Yeah. Alf ate another cat. He's always so exasperated. That guy's that guy's entire acting style is mm, no. Ugh, mm, oh, Cal. Mm. Mm. Yes, you, the daughter. You think the director attractive. was asking him for more stuff and he just couldn't deliver? He's just it. confused. <laughs> what more can I say about? He's not Christopher Walken. About this alien. <laughs> Listen, Alf, I know you love cats, but you got to stop eating them. Please. We've gone through like five cats this month. Put some pants on. Please, Alf. For pants. love of God. I don't know why you always got to be naked. Yeah. <laughs> Christian... Christopher Walken on that show. That show, I'll tell you what, if Walken's the dad on that show, it's still on the air. 
That's the only thing. <laughs> on the air for a good solid 19 years. That'd be a fun place to hang out. Oh, uh, that, then I'm going there. I want to go to Alf with Walken as the dad. Right. He's an alien, strange, comes in, loves cats. Likes to eat them. End the, end the show. That was the high note. We're done. <laughs> That's it. Wrap it up. That's it. We play, can't follow that. Play the theme music, Peach. Oh, Can where is find? it now? There it is. <laughs> All right, I'll get it. Which one is there it? There it is. There it is. All right. PJ, final unload. Taking a second to plug another podcast that needs no plugging. I uh, took it upon myself to be a yearly subscriber to the WTF Platinum Level Supreme um, app, and it's amazing. You can go all the way back to episode one. He's done 400. It's great to listen to the show evolve. And uh, I recommend it. It's amazing. Cal, final unload. Well, on, on the same note, uh, RTU will be offering a platinum package if you'd like to sign <laughs> up for RTU Platinum. You get access to those 25 lost episodes that we talked about earlier. <laughs> so... You can also come and sit on Cal's lap for an entire show. All you have to do is send in a suggestion to rtufunload at gmail.com. And if you've got a bad impression, you're welcome to come on the air with us. Be great. Uh, and my final unload is, uh, hey, this little band that I used to like quite a bit uh, is coming out with a new album this week. I've heard a few songs off of it. So I'm going to do an album recommend. Pearl Jam, new album, Lightning Bolt, on the 15th. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Fantastic. They're still doing it. What a band. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for checking out Ready to Unload. For Brian Calvi and PJ Kachop, I'm Steve Sampietro. See you next week. Nice. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.